Before we get started on today's show, theathletic.com slash glue guys. Get 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash glue guys. 40% off annual subscription to The Athletic. Brian? We want it. We need it. Go to theathletic.com. No, but you should do that. This is extremely strange times we're living in. Strangeness produces great content. Hey, Mm, positive. Interesting. Seriously, The Athletic is phenomenal website once you get inside the athletic inside the walls of the athletic you're gonna be loving life it's it is there's so much to taste from Mm -hmm. journalistically that you're gonna really love it i'm telling you just try a free trial if not that uh if you don't want to commit to the whole year even though you're gonna get 40 percent off big deal i got the year mic i got the year mic and i i say this and i mean it i like it i like that i like that service mike i'm not just saying it because because of the connection to the show I like it. If that doesn't sell you, then you don't have a soul. Get inside that paywall. (laughs) Theathletic.com slash glue guys. 40% subtracted. On today's episode of the Glue Guys, Brian and I are going to discuss one of the two past games that the Nets played. What a game. Milwaukee that Bucks. That Boston game. That Boston game. Love that. Um, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about the Milwaukee Bucks game, and we're going to hit some of your emails. Thank you again for everyone who emailed netspod at gmail.com to get involved in the conversation. Stop. <laughs> There's nothing. I, do you always want me to end with something there? I don't, that seemed like a good, a good finale. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at Mike Smeltz. At wow. <laughs> at Mike Smeltz. Lead on plug. At- I gotta get. I gotta get my own Twitter. This could be a battle. Like, actually, this is a battle. It's on. I'm actually gonna try to. I'm gonna add. What is my? What is my? Yeah, old- it, wasn't it the fake Brian? E- it's always some. Um, it's no. It's it's the Brian Egan. The Brian I'm, Egan. All right. At at the Brian Egan. We gotta outpace at Mike. Whatever. Whatever this guy's name is. <laughs> trying to outfollow him. If you haven't been following along in this saga, uh, at BK Glue guys. It's our mothership account, but I am trying to <laughs> get some followers. Yeah, you're you're thirsty right now. This I'm is, trying to tweet, man. Uh, Rich thirsty. Kleiman just liked one of my tweets, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Get out of here. Wow, you are you're <laughs> a you rising just, star. On today's show, we're going to talk almost exclusively about the Milwaukee Bucks game. We are going to completely disregard that Boston Celtics massacre. Not real. Fake news. And then we're going to hit some emails, netspot at gmail.com. Thank you all for getting involved. Ryan! Mike, what a game. Did you watch it? You watched that game? I love that game. I, I feasted on that game. My the Okay, and I can already feel the moment that it ended. The, we're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks game here. That I could feel energy from the cheesed breath Wisconsin's, Wisconsinites that... Oh, they were getting they were getting feisty on Twitter, too. They were like, yeah, I like Giannis didn't even play. Giannis didn't even play. 
I, I will continue to do that. This is this is the inner 60-year-old man, the inner boomer. Giannis um, <laughs> didn't even play the second half, blah, 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 blah. Just, so just butthurt and spicy. So what? You know? The Nets didn't have Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, and Jared Allen, not to mention Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Wilson Chandler, John Jordan, Spencer And the Spencer reason Dimity, they didn't place Giannis in, sec- in the second half was to, to try to save face. That's what's the most bold-faced and pathetic and smileless about it. That's why that team you know, can never really truly win at the highest levels, Mike. It's because... They're looking for excuses. They're looking for an out. And that's not what you do. If you want, if you want to win chips, Mike, it's not what you do. Well, and it, right? it, it's tough to separate what happened against Boston because we just saw it versus Milwaukee. But if we're going to give credit to anyone, I feel like Jacques Vaughn is the guy who deserves like an incredible amount of credit for he t- taking a team that barely would start for the Long Island Nets. Some of these guys I feel like were bench players for the Long Island Nets are getting big minutes for the actual Nets and they beat the best team in basketball. And yeah, Milwaukee, again, they didn't have Giannis in the second half. Chris Middleton only played 15 minutes. Okay. They still had more than enough talent to beat this version of the Brooklyn. They had a handful of actual like players that play on their team. (laughs) That's, you know, that's more than we can say. But yeah, I agree. Like Jacques Vaughn totally can wear that W as a, that's, he can put that on his shelf. Put it in the trophy case. Put it next to the the stick of bamboo. That he's carrying with <laughs> yeah. him down in Orlando. I lo- I mean, I love I love that like the bamboo plant that he brought with him into quarantine has become its own little meme. It's like a baby Groot that is providing confidence to the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that's a big thing. You know, as much as we loved Kenny Atkinson in the moment, you do learn a lot from when a coach is fired about how certain players perceive that coach. I think before Atkinson's firing... I would have thought Kenny was really good at instilling confidence into guys and lifting them up. And I actually think probably he wasn't. He was probably more of like a little bit of a hard ass coach who thought the best form of development was like really being on top of guys and calling them out. I mean, we know that he would pretty famous for calling D'Angelo Russell out the time D'Lo was in Brooklyn consistently in terms of play on the court, not maybe in an extremely negative context. Kyrie, maybe him, Kenny and Kyrie had a little bit of that action too going on. And Kyrie's pretty much famous for not truly wanting to hear an increased level of criticism. Jacques has outwardly made like his mission statement to instill confidence, carry the bamboo and instill confidence. And I think only that approach could have produced that Milwaukee Bucks game. Only that approach. I mean, well, you can make this is a lot of credit. Like, this is a lot I'm giving, of credit to Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn deserves yeah. that credit. Now, he also deserves wow. credit for. The Nets having two of the worst defensive performances so far in the bubble. That is, you know, he also deserves that. I I mean, it was a huge win. Massive win for Mm. your Brooklyn Nets. It it was... There was a like I when I think it was like four minutes left to go and the game was tied and I was like well that was fun you know I I was glad that this was a watchable game and internally had you know gotten like very comfortable as I've learned how to do over the years watching Nets basketball with like the impending L that we were about to get dropped on our heads um I internalized that I came to and I came to terms with it immediately as I do you know moved on and then we just won we just stuck around and we won the game in a way that like we just don't really that was not expected. It wasn't even, we didn't need to, we didn't have to, but you, we did it. Uh, and I guess, I mean, I guess you're attributing it to Jacques Vaughn. I'll say that there are some players out there that I like instantly pass an eye test. And I know this is like truly the small sample size theater of all sample size theaters, but Jeremiah Martin, can I just say like, 
literally so quickly passed the eye test on defense. I, I there's very few players. I mean, because it's basically he had like really qu- quick hands, and and when you know when you're doing anything of statistical importance on defense, it like pops off the page like way more. Um, but the way in which he was stealing the ball, just like immediately cleanly, like just slapping the ball away from people at half court while they're not even like in their offensive set yet. I love that. I want more of that on this team. You know. Uh, I want more of that in basketball in general. Just, you know, people that gamble at the half court on swipes because <laughs> that's how I play NBA 2K and lose. Anyways, it was working really well for him. And he has, like, the eye test I'm mostly talking about is just, like, really great hand and foot speed. Um, fast, fast looking dude. We were talking also about, I mean, you ver- from your, was it at Mike Smeltz on Twitter <laughs> that you tweeted about how KD and Brian had the same opinion of Chris Chioza? Yeah, so um, Kevin Durant was on someone's podcast, and I really should credit the podcast itself and i will you should, as a podcaster mike you really should and, I'm, and i will work extremely hard as i say words that, that do come out of my mouth to find the best way uh the show is from elite media group it's called play for keeps they've only had two episodes so far but yet of those two episodes kevin durant was a guest on one of them but yet i love the, <laughs> what, what a sh- i love the what a we, what a shock we and yet <laughs> i'm not bitter no and and so they they asked him, and I, I love I love that they ask him this because you know so many times we just podcasters like don't ask even just like a basic question of like hey who do you like and they asked hey who do you like on the nets that you're watching right now the two people that he mentioned were Karis Levert and even KD said something like yeah you know like I of course I'm going to mention Karis Karis is like on a different level right now he's obviously the most talented player on the team I'm pretty sure he said that and w- which is completely accurate and the second player is Chris Chioza Brian's Chris Chioza that. And Katie literally almost said the thing you said, that Chioza just fits out there, that he makes sense as an NBA basketball player. I don't want to be this guy yet. I like Tyler Johnson's hair. I'm happy he's on the team, I guess. But I, when, You know you're in trouble when, you, when Mike starts complimenting I'm, your I'm, hair. I'm getting... you know, because Mike has a bad opinion of people with good hair. That's the that's We know this from your long-form piece about competition and the correlation between high competitiveness and, and less hair. Being bald is better in basketball. It's a definitive. I, that is, yeah. It's not about aerodynamics either. It's just a, it, no. It's I think it's Freudian for you. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, <laughs> goes yeah. way deeper than than just the fact that they're more aerodynamic if you're bald. I already feel kind of seen the Tyler Johnson. Ex- I've had the Tyler Johnson experience. Mm. You feel like you've had I the get whole it. the whole breath of the <laughs> Tyler Johnson experience by this point, huh? Five game, four games in, whatever. It's extremely unfair. It's extremely unfair that I'm judging him off of four bubble games. There are certain experiences that you can intuit immediately. Like you, like I watched, I, I was on Netflix and I was tempted to watch episode one, season one, episode one of that 70s show. Cause I, I don't, I didn't watch it much growing up or whatever. And I was like, I, I feel like I've gotten the whole experience out of that one episode. I feel like <laughs> I don't need to do this. <laughs> and, and maybe that's true for watching Taylor Johnson. Is that what you're saying, Mike? Yeah. I just see. There's a lot of mid range, which you also pointed out early on. It, it, it it's un ill it's ill advised mid range too. It's not just like he's wide open. So it's self serving mid range. It's this. Yeah. It's not the pause. I don't really want to take this mid range shot, but they're leaving me wide open. I should take it. It makes sense. It's like I am working oh, my yeah. way to that twenty footer. <laughs> I am getting yeah. my way to that twenty footer. I don't know the statistics. I imagine he's probably better defensively than our boy Chris Chioza, just because. He, I mean, they're just a different. They're completely different size. When Chioza was going against Carson Edwards uh, in the Celtics game, I was like, "Those are two humans that should be playing one on one for the rest of their lives because they are a the perfect of, a couple size of fire hydrants going at it." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and they're both like the same personality, extreme confidence. Um, not not 
like they were talking like a lot of shit to each other <laughs> during the game. There was one moment when I think Chioza he either like stole the ball from Carson Edwards or did something against Carson Edwards, and they were just yelling at each other for a solid thirty seconds. Effective. Tyler Johnson. I mean, I don't know what, what's your vibe with Tyler Johnson's. I mean, is it unfair to judge him off of four bubble games? It is unfair, and I hate to do it. I mean, I we this is hey, it's our podcast. We can be unfair if we want to. It's not fair. Um, I will say this because of how to your point, it's pretty ineffective, also a little inefficient. So like anytime it works, it's like okay, all right, well. See, it feels like you stole one, right? It's never like it never feels like um, like it it happened um, effortlessly. Um, also, anytime that he makes like an an unprompted mistake, like occasionally he'll just like chuck a ball out of bounds, and that feels unforgivable with all the other sort of inefficient contexts going around. Um, <clears throat> so, if I would say this, I don't. I'm super not ready to dump on Tyler Johnson full full throttle dump on him. Uh, I he is on the dumping radar, you know. That's <laughs> and I did, he's on that I'm barge, be, that garbage I'm, barge. It's it's I'm heading up the Hudson River. I, but here's the thing: I don't, you know. It's also these games are not. I'm you know, in order to really enjoy them, I don't want to get into because you can only really have that like sort of pure hatred fixation on a player when you're playing games that like really really matter. Which is why like D Sloan is forever you know, represents a person that you would otherwise hate if it wasn't that he was playing for an inconsequential team, right? Like, that's sort of the the humor in Donald Sloan. Um, whereas, like, Reggie Evans was super frustrating. And, I mean, funny because Reggie Evans is just, like, a meme, a living, walking meme of a certain type. But when he was playing, you know, 30 minutes a game, you wanted to die. But, um, yeah, anyway, so, so like, I'm, I'm just talking mostly about, like, hatred fixation on on players that play for your team i'm not there with tyler johnson yet not even close i'm still in the like what could well how could we fix you kind of like territory you know that's sort of where that's sort of where my brain goes with tyler um i don't know is that weird to say no and it's it's more unfair of me to be like hey here's four months off of basketball come on to a, no, a team it is part of the experience though like hate like hating on a player on your team is like a that is a time time honored truth of sports watching yeah you know? and it's not like okay let's say like so when Chioza has a bad game shooting which he's often really had those shots feel like they make more sense than tyler johnson's shots and like like again i think their shot profile in terms of makes and misses not where they are in the court but makes and misses are probably the same their field goal percentage is another better term to use uh but it's just a lot of mid-range it's a lot of purposeful mid-range it's there was one particular play against the celtics where Karis LeVert goes in for some kind of crazy, really high effort shot. The ball bounces out for an offensive rebound. I think like Jared Allen fights really hard to get the rebound. It goes out to Tyler Johnson with a full fresh shot clock. And Tyler Johnson immediately chucks it up for a three when no one else was down there below to rebound the ball. And there was three Celtics down there. And it's like, okay, that kind of shot is kind of unforgivable to me, particularly considering his stature on the team. His stature on the team should be like, I'm going to fit in the best I can if I'm on the floor with Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. They just did a full effort play where Karis LeVert did everything he could to get off a good shot. It missed. (laughs) Jared Allen did everything he could to get the rebound. But yet I receive this treasure and I just throw it away into the ocean again. It's mm. it it is as if James Cameron is down in, on his submarine finding that diamond from uh Titanic mm. and then and then just takes it right to the surface. He and picks th- it up and then back, someone yeah. just throws it yeah. back over the, the boat. That's how it felt to me. It felt like the diamond was being thrown back into the water. 
And that's painful because I love the I, Titanic. Now that I'm going back and thinking about that movie, like, so the whole purpose of going down there is to find the necklace, right? That's the whole deal. So why is this woman trolling these people so, so hard? Like, she has it the whole time and chucks it in after they're like, oh, we didn't find it on the expedition. Like, what kind of sick puppy is... is <laughs> Can I like something is, to you, Brian? Yeah. I've never, like, fully seen the, the Titanic like how did what do you mean so like, like I've never, start like, to finish you never watched I've never, it like sat down on a, a, a couch or a recliner yeah. put the vhs the two it's it was two vhs's i do know that a, yeah that and yeah and and put and, them uh, into the braveheart the player right. and watch i've just never done it um i probably i think i have i've at least seen it like bits and pieces enough to have like have overlapping <laughs> parts and put it together um it's it's you know it's like a it's a big big blockbuster movie i get it um, but there is like, it's one of those things where, you know, like they're, um, like Pam in the office or, uh, Jenny and Forrest Gump where they're like supposed to be like a protagonist or at least like a good guy and are actually like really awful. Loki you know, off. over the court. Pam you know, from the awful. office is awful. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Think about the, the arc of Pam in the office, like the gaslighting and <laughs> I mean, think about it. So, so she's got, she's got Jim who like worships her like on a string. She knows this for the first two seasons, right? Wait till he transfers his job out of like, he's, he's been tortured to the point where he needs to leave town. And then, and only then does she, I guess, get cold feet on like her wedding day or something. Not show, not turn up for that guy who she made a, you know, ostensibly a lifelong commitment to. Waits for Jim to bring back his girlfriend from the the new place where he had been living, you know, Stanford, beginning to establish yeah. a life, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then, and then, the Stanford branch, and only then begin to really pursue him in earnest, and have you know drive an explosive wedge between him and his new girlfriend. Um, so, anyways, I think she, that she's just ruinous, and and also like not to even get into like when he's starting to to have try to start a business or whatever in like the later seasons bad person if you really look into it you're you're in denial right now but i think you're starting to you're beginning to see before, what i'm talking before about before we go down this road is this a a a closely held internet belief or is this just a brian belief this is og this is original content here. um so so pam is and and the jenny one from forrest gump is original content too which i can get into but that's get into bit. jenny <laughs> I th- this is going to derail this podcast. We have to start a whole different podcast for this. You mean Haley Joel Osment's mother? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Jen A. Jen A. Yeah. So what did she do? <laughs> it's a whole thing, Mike. We'll get into it next episode. <laughs> That'll be a cliffhanger. We should we should talk more Nets basketball. Um, P- your Pam theory is not a theory. Is going to shatter people's lives. Li- people's lives are built Good. is built around the office at this point. Yeah, they're living a lie. <laughs> you know, it's a sham life and it needs to be exploded 100%. So it, um, she is you know. one of the greatest villains of all time in television. It's like it's like Uncle Joe or Grandpa Joe or whatever from Willy Wonka, like low key super talk. This that's like the original <laughs> internet Joe one. Do? Dude, Grandpa Joe, rewatch that movie. He is a nightmare of a human being. Like <laughs> Truly a nightmare. It starts out he's in bed, laid up, and then you know, uh, first of all, like they're they're like starving. They're eating cabbage and water. You know, cabbage hot, ca- hot the same cabbage water that they water. wash their socks in. Right, is where they boil <laughs> yeah, their cabbage. Exactly. And the guy is spending money on cigarettes, tobacco. He's like, oh, I could use this for my tobacco money, but like, here's money for your chocolate, whatever. Like they're like, it's like, is Charlie going to get a present for his birthday, or is Uncle Joe going to smoke a cigar again this week? You know. Like, <laughs> He's, he's tapped into the family finances closely. Anyways, so he lucks out, gets his golden ticket, 
all of a sudden, who's up and about, walking, ready to like get a hot deal when he sees one? Grandpa Joe. Finally, after like 20 years, he's walking. Forget about the mom going on the factory tour who's been slaving away in the laundry hut or whatever. She she gets is like the golden ticket. She's not even a consideration. Joe jumps on that so fast. <laughs> Anyways, then he goes and does the whole fizzy lifting nonsense. You know, he baits Charlie into that. And then after Willy Wonka is like, "Hey, you broke the rules," which Joe immediately doesn't take responsibility for, and just says, "Well, you know what? Screw you, Willy Wonka. We're gonna go take our everlasting gobstopper over to Slugglesworth, and he's gonna get it." And then Charlie, because he's he actually has a moral compass. You know, is like, actually, wait, it returns the thing. And then they go up in the glass elevator. They're shot into space. And Charlie's like, oh, my God, I get to live in the in the factory. And Uncle Joe's like, and his family, too. <laughs> Joe is sticking his nose in every little nook and cranny for where's the best deal. Doing the least possible. You know, he's just he's just the worst. Leeching under her, his precocious grandson. Is yeah. it even his grandson? Let's investigate that question. Do we know that they're, in fact, blood-related? Maybe Probably not. Maybe his he, mother... This is a stranger that walked laundry, in the house, yeah. Lurking <laughs> in the laundry factory, just had live-in roommates because the money was so tight. This this guy may not even be blood, to be honest. Yeah. I'm like, you're making a, a joke out of something that's serious now. <laughs> the laundry <laughs> factory? No. Anyways, but yeah, there's a bunch of those. The Jenny one from Forrest Gump, too. But we, now it's well, I, I can kind of, yeah. I know which direction the you Jenny know. one could go into. Hiding a child from your, anyways. Just until, just long enough till you die and then you, you know, get handed over at like age seven. Come on. When Forrest got his per- What kind of a, what yeah. kind of a person? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hard transition. We have some emails. <laughs> we do have some emails. <clears throat> do we, do we want to get to them? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, when you when I say hard transition, we have some emails. This name deserves a proper John Cena rollout. It's not going to get one. But from your boy, Ishimwe Sandra Kagango. Great name. Nice work on the pod, guys. I'm getting increasingly frustrated by Karis's play on the defensive end. The way he gets he gets hanged up, the way he gets hanged up on every screen, the gambles on steals. His activity is present. C block on Brown last night. But for the Nets to reach their full potential next year, he just needs to make smarter plays on that end of the floor. Cheers, Sandra. Um, Michael, we've talked a lot about Karis LeVert on this podcast in a couple of different ways. I think the truest thing that you've ever said about Karis LeVert mm-hmm. is that he's either all the way engaged on both sides of the floor or he's engaged on neither side of the floor. Do you, based on what you've been seeing in the bubble, that was that was a take from probably like, I'd say that that was like a February take or something. Do we <laughs> still feel... Things were good. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Do we still do we still feel like that's an accurate take here in August? I think it's going to be tough. I would not judge, even though I incorrectly judged Tyler Johnson's entire basketball acumen on four games in the bubble. I want to judge Karras's defensive issues because he's being asked to do something he's really never been asked to in his whole career, which is like be the lead offensive guy. So when you're ever the lead offensive guy, typically your defense kind of becomes a little sloppy. I do totally agree that like Karis has this extremely strange way of getting around screens uh, on defense. Like he does feel like he like purposefully attaches himself to the screener in a way and his arms kind of flail out that it doesn't like you don't have to do that. Like, and uh, you know, when I played defensive line in high school, Brian, in football, they told you you don't have to run into the offensive lineman. You can actually run around them. 
But Bacaris has this like this thing where he does want to get he wants to kind of like have that contact during a screen. He like he kind of just like gloms right onto the screener in a sense. But I love Karis's defensive potential. And I do agree that he does have to like his role next year, even though this is a little demeaning, is like three and D Karis. It's like if he becomes the guy on the team who takes the task every night of guarding the best offensive player on the other team plus becomes like a better three-point shooter, then Karis's potential like rises to a whole nother level. He's still like this, like unfortunately in the bubble, we're just not going to see it. He should not be guarding the other team's best offensive player because he still, he needs to focus on offense. Like he's the only, what he's the only thing we got. Lance Thomas is there on the floor starting games because that's what Lance Thomas should be doing. What do you feel about him? It's interesting. I can like kind of like envision him like doing what you're talking about. Just sort of like like already he's compacted his shoulders before he's even like you know got gotten into the the screen or whatever. Um, I think it is interesting that that's like sort of his like defensive philosophy. I will say this though. I'm wondering if it's kind of a crutch because I think low key uh, why Karis Levert is like like rightfully gotten way far away from the lateral ball handling that he used to do. I don't think his lateral foot speed is actually that fast, and um, he's like definitely like a fast basketball player but like mostly running you know downhill uh i don't know that his like like that that translates to that kind of like open hip defensive lateral movement um weirdly it's funny i haven't really thought about it but like you're right though about the screening thing he does just kind of like like already compact himself before before the screener even like really does his thing and i think it's maybe he's like actually it might be that it's he's authentically trying to get around the screen uh and just like failing over and over again um yeah and and again like this kind of this whole question which is a great email goes back to the central problem of not having Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant with Karis Levert right now is the thing that Karis Levert's being asked to do is to be the best scorer on the team the lead ball handler when he's on the floor and make defensive plays make defensive plays not just like play good defense and so he's trying to do those things which is going to be the complete opposite of what he's going to do next year if he's on the Nets roster next so, uh, year. Great question, though, and something to definitely keep an eye on because, you know, we, we often talk. I, I'm worried that we're talking too much, though, about Karis Levert and whether he fits with next year's team. That scares me. but Never enough. Next up, Cheerboy Ian Wells. By the way, this netspod at gmail.com. Thank you to everybody that, that emails. Um, just netspod at gmail.com. Got to get the email sphere back up and running. Back to its original health. We get just junk mail in here. Tons of Because when Mike signed us up for Substack. <laughs> Um, what are your power rankings? Is Ian Wells mm. saying, what are your power rankings of the Nets' third string? I'm excluding Jamal and Tyler Johnson from this group. Mine is, why are we, why are we excluding Jamal and Tyler Johnson from this though? Anyways, mine is TLC, number one, one A, Chioza, three, Justin Anderson, four, Dante Hall, and then dot, 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 25 is Musa. Ouch. Burn. The Nets have to find a way to get TLC and Chioza on the team next season. Also, Jamal and Kyrie backcourt needs to happen. Nets Bubble Championship 2020. Best, Ian. Um, thank you, Ian. That was a great, a great email. Um, <clears throat> Mike, we haven't talked a lot about TLC to this point. He's been playing some minutes. He's been hitting some shots now, finally, because he wasn't in the beginning of the bubble experience. What? Uh, so I'll just start with this about TLC. For me, he feels like... We were just talking about foot speed with Karis Levert. He feels like the most conspicuous. If he just had a faster first step, mm-hmm. he would be like a real, real bad mf'er in this league. Um, and without that, it's he's definitely like I think he's like a rotation player. He's got I think we found a little 
diamond in the rough in terms of like you know a guy that can definitely like be a, a great utility swingman. Um, but I really wish he had that faster first step, Mike, because that would make him true, truly dangerous. Yeah, and the thing about TLC is that he was a first round pick for I think the Sixers. So it's like I remember I remember him in the draft partly because of his name. It's it's so memorable, Timothy Luelu Caparo, very memorable. And I you know it's like a Frenchman as a swingman. I was getting Michael Pietras vibes, but Michael Pietras was was way more athletic. Not that they have to be the same at all, but I I totally agree with like TLC is just like a step slower than where you want that sort of backup role player to be that backup swing man, you know, the, the three type who's going to come in, play some defense, you know, maybe create a little bit of a shot for himself. But he's been over. I mean, he's been overwhelmingly impressive for what he was supposed to be, right? Like, the, I mean, the fact that he he and Garrett Temple basically won the Milwaukee Bucks game, just them two alone. I kind of think what's going to be interesting is that, like, what is he good enough to be back with the team next year? Like, are they going to need a young, still developing? guy who probably still takes a little little few too many shots for the role that he's going to be, but he can produce a pretty good scoring effort. Is he good defensively? Not like tremendously, but he's not hor- horrific. Um, I agree, though. I think it's he is a step too slow. And it's probably the reason why, you know, he's been a two way guy is that his like ultimate athleticism isn't like it's maybe just just average. Right. He so he has like. It's weird that I, I wonder if he was sort of like plucked for this reason because <clears throat> he actually kind of reminds me a lot of Joe Harris in that they both have like too slow a step to like really be like a, a true offensive creator on their own. Uh, but where Joe Harris like put all of his experience points into being an elite three point shooter, um, TLC hasn't really he's like spread a little bit thinner than that. Um, and that's a good that's fine that's a fine version of it but like i feel like he's looking he's at, at least allowed himself to like do the the mid-range thing whereas joe has like been that's like been beaten out of him to this point for like having played for kenny atkinson for so many years that he like really is you can tell he'll shoot them in like in a pinch but he's pretty loath to like shoot that elbow jumper um you can kind of like feel but tlc doesn't have that he hasn't he hasn't undergone the the gauntlet of kenny atkinson's no no long twos. So, uh, he's got more of that in him. Um, but yeah, so my, my line of thinking on is like, he kind of does remind me of Joe Harris, which is like Joe Harris has made that lack of a first, like quick first step kind of work for him. And it's just like by virtue of just like, they both have do the right thing syndrome. They kind of do the right things. Um, it doesn't always pay off, but they do the right thing. So you, you kind of just like have to admire them on that level. That's so right. Cause like, uh, if, if you were to add up the attributes of Joe Harris and, Timothy Luella Caparo, like you would think Caparo can do more things on the floor because he he seems to try to show more things. What Joe Harris does, he does two things really, really well, which is he shoots the three extremely well, and he does get to the bucket and score like like a pretty good percentage. I mean, at one point he was one of the best like guards in the league in points per a possession for pick and rolls or something like with the balls in his hands. Like it was like Joe Harris is either going to shoot a three and make it. Or, I mean, he will get around a screen and get to the bucket. You know, Joey Driver has been a thing in the past where, like, Timothy Luacabaro is still, like, not, like, that great of a three-point shooter, but he's okay. I I don't know. He, he to me, like, if I'm trying to build out my roster for next year, I think I do want him on there because he's young. He's He 
is willing to be in a certain role, even as young as he is, which typically younger guys aren't willing to be in a role. And, you know, there's still, like, room to grow. Like, if he adds a few percentage points on his three-point shot, okay, then you have a six, seven, slightly athletic wing who can shoot threes and has shown some good sense on the court. That's, like, that's like worth a lot in the NBA. Um, for the pure rankings, by the way, uh, we so Ian has TLC, Chioza, Justin Anderson, Dante Hall, Moose at 25. Of that crew, I agree. I, th- I I mean, I put Chioza over TLC. I I love him that much at this point. I I, I, I legitimately want Chioza on this team going forward, like full stop. And if we're not re- including Rodion's Karutz, I guess we're not including that in this exercise, or Tyler Johnson <laughs> or Jamal Crawford, though let's throw in Tyler Johnson. Dante Hall has been intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to mm-hmm. know how tall he really is. Because that's yeah, it looks he looks pretty undersized, doesn't he? Yeah, it? he doesn't quite look like the full legit backup center. You think you think he lied on his resume? I think he lied situations? a little yeah. bit. Like he did the Mike Smeltz lying on his resume, which is a lot. Um, <laughs> which which like, is an outrageous. <laughs> yeah. um, he but he he's uh, athletic. That is obvious. He knows how to finish around the rim, at least dunking, which is important. Not a lot of guys can actually dunk the ball. Like that consistently, and he went right at Giannis Antetokounmpo in the Bucks game and threw him down on the ground. That is dope. Think about it. Dante Hall doing that to Giannis, two time, soon to be two time MVP. I kind of want the Nets. You know, the Nets under the Marks era really haven't had that dude, like that aggressive. I don't give a fuck, dude. Whoa, whoa, Mike. Mike, Mike after dark here. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> I think the Nets, I mean, Dante Hall is intriguing. I hope he's like with the team, at least on the G League affiliate next year. And maybe they like, keep him around and see if he can continue to grow. Because I've liked what I've seen. Justin Anderson obviously had like the super dope dunk in the game. Though if like you watch yeah. different angles, he wasn't like really on Giannis. <laughs> it was like the side angle of Giannis. Yeah, he rotated over, but no, it was, but you know, it was cool. Accounts. And I like Justin Anderson's attitude. Musa just can't get a minute. Musa just, they refuse to play Musa. And I don't, you know, I, I partly understand it. But, you know, I like sometimes when I see Musa on the floor, he shoots a very confident three point shot. Even if it doesn't go in, he feels like it's going to go in every time. And I like that. I appreciate that. Um, Next email. I'm going to pick one, Brian. Is that okay? Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to dive in. Uh, Luis Torres. Friend of the show, big fan of the show, I guess. Uh, he says to us, Gordon Hayward looks like an 80s Radio Shack store manager with above average customer service. Thank you very much for that. That is 100% right. I'm not sure what's happening with Gordon Hayward's look. Uh, I'm not hating on it. I'm just, it's a it's an interesting life choice style. Uh, mm. Do we have anything else? Do we have another one of these? I have one that I want to get to. Yeah, this is, you thought I forgot about you, but I didn't. Hal Hodes didn't. Okay. Hal Hodes has a bone to pick with us, Mike. Please. <clears throat> hey, glue guys. Liked your pop analysis. I can buy it. However, a lot of what you said applies to the point I mentioned to you in my email from a couple of months ago attached here. <laughs> Some additional evidence straight from Orlando. Um, this is all the Becky Hammond services coach and scrimmage, blah, 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 blah. Um, this is obviously from July 24th. So... Um, need a Kyrie or Kevin connection. How about this? And then he's got all these, he's got lots of links. So anyways, I just wanted to shout out 
uh, a lot of what Hal Hodes is doing. He's doing some real boots to the ground kind of investigative reporting on what we'd been talking about. And Hal, I swear, I promise that Mike didn't. Well, actually, I can't do that because Mike also has the password to this account. So it's possible that he stole your entire take um, a whole whole cart. But well, um, see, I'm used to people stealing my takes and then writing them up in various news sources. So I feel for you, Hal Hoods, if you believe. Love that's my favorite. Like <laughs> Mike truly believes that there's a conspiracy against him. It's um, not a conspiracy. It's just reality, Brian. It's, it's <laughs> right, out there. Right. I mean, Sorry, yeah. I'm not like on what's Canon Quanon QAnon. What's that? QAnon. Yeah, oh, QAnon. that was close. <laughs> We're like they're looking for things within like newspaper articles and be like, oh, this word should relate to this, and all these threads link up to you know whatever they believe those people believe. No, it's I say something on this pod. I get re- I get demolished for it, and then very soon thereafter, I see, I'm putting quotes, legitimate reporters d- write articles about the thing that I've discussed, like per, like only a week ago. Let let it out. Name names, Mike. You know, Let's hear it. I respect <clears throat> the people too much. I just wow. it the tidal wave that is the news bubble of around the nets. I am the moon. I am the gravity. Right? That's how waves work. <laughs> you like that. Mike, Michael the Moon Smelts. That's what they call that, me. Mikey Moon. That, <laughs> Mikey Moon, moon baby. Faced Michael Smelts. Um, um, those are some incredibly hot takes. But yeah, anyways, Hal Hodes, we, um, that's a, he's got some, a bunch of good stuff in there. Well, Hal's like, like, how's thing is basically like, we. it's not Pop. It's Becky Hammond who's the person that's going to be. The Nets' next head coach, because everything so that we, you have, you have read this, Mike. That's no, I'm, even more I'm reading it right now. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I'm looking. Oh, yeah. I'm staring at it. I don't agree that it'll be Becky Hammond. Um, partly not that because there's anything to do with their coach ability, because obviously I, I am incapable of distinguishing that as a Brooklyn Nets watcher, and she's an assistant coach. Like I couldn't really tell you what Jock Vaughn's coaching strategy was until he was head coach, right? Like it's very hard to credit assistant coaches for anything besides like the classic Tom Thibodeau situation when he was in Boston with Doc Rivers and Tibbs comes in the defensive genius fixes the Celtics defense they win the championship and then he becomes a head coach like that's doing clean. doing brand like marketing for yourself as an assistant coach super vital Kenny Atkinson was like the point guard whisperer because of insanity you know that was his <laughs> That was on his LinkedIn point guard whisperer. Yeah, and I'm laughing. I mean, like because Lynn Sanity was something, but then when Lynn Sanity was on the Nets, it was Mike, a continual saga. How dare you? How dare you? It was a continual saga. 30, Michael, have you seen the per thirty six numbers on this on I've this guy? Seen them too much in my life. It'll make it'll make your eyes pop. Remember when we were debating how D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie and and Jeremy Lin would, like, how would they split the ball up? Yeah, with you. Yeah. And then injuries happen. So. Um, I just don't think it's going to be Becky Hammond. I think, you know, the the Nets, because of the situation that they're going to be in, is not not necessarily that this is the right move, but I, I have a feeling Marks is going to lean on, like, someone with a pedigree, quote-unquote, whatever that means, whether it's Mark Jackson, <laughs> yeah. Jeff Van Gundy, Ty Lue, um, Jason Kidd, I guess, could, could still be considered having pedigree. Like, they're going to... Per- Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, what no, you no, go ahead. 
Well, per the real estate argument you've been making for Popovich too, which I which I think is maybe the, the, <laughs> the most real important argument that he's trying <laughs> yeah. to sell his house. Yeah, yeah. The real estate market in New York it's it's a good time to get in. You know, for the first time in a long time. So, oh, in, in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah cuomo wants people to come back to the city you know so um um it's a big get one one last news nugget to hit by the way before we go here the the nba announced that the brooklyn nets have been fined twenty five thousand dollars. what for failing to comply with league policies governing injury reporting huh. i'm trying to what's figure out about? what that is does that have to do Just with kevin durant <laughs> must be a piece of paperwork or what's what is this would would you want kevin durant to come now play in the bubble would that make sense yeah this is good okay That'd be good. Um, Michael, where? Well, so you, it's at Michael Smeltz, at, and <laughs> no, that's Michael Smeltz dot Mike dot com. Smeltz, Sorry, at, at Mike, Mike Smeltz. Smeltz. Mike with a Y. Um, follow me on Twitter. That's the unfiltered takes for me about basketball. Mike, Mike after dark. Mike, something with the moon. There's got to be moon. Mike, we'll figure it out. We'll brand that. The Brian Egan on Twitter. <laughs> let's start the Let's start the war. Pick a side. Unfortunately, if you get more followers than me, I will be crushed. <laughs> I know, like, I know. You don't you know, care it's, if I like I, if we came out of this like you had like ten thousand followers and I had like two hundred, I'd be like, oh fuck. You know that that's what must happen now, Mike. That's this is <laughs> the, oh I get the look on his face. Oh my god, I'm sorry that I have to do this. Oh, this is like I can't believe I didn't mention this by the way. Yeah. So there was a very funny moment on Twitter after the Bucks game. I'll just get to this real quick, and then we'll end up. And, and if you're still listening to the pod, thank you so much. Um, there were multiple people who, before the Milwaukee Bucks game, claimed that they would get tattoos of various Nets if the Nets would win. And one of them is John Deserga, who John joked on Twitter that he would get a Chris Chioza tattoo if the Nets beat the Bucks. And of course, the Nets beat the Bucks. And Chris mm. Chioza friend of the show Chris Chioza retweeted John and I reached out to John on Twitter and I asked him you know are you going to do this and he was very he was very funny about it he was like um <laughs> he, he was like maybe I'll get a washable tattoo but if anything this is what he says if anything I wish people weren't taking this so seriously with the name calling <laughs> they can't just let it be funny I think it's a good lesson. The name calling who's who's they're calling him name I'm sure people are in his DMs be like you better do this or <laughs> You know, you're a, a loser, a loser, John. Um, it's funny. We should all enjoy the Twitter moment and I'll just move on. Um, but, John, if you don't get a uh, a huge tattoo on your face of Chris Chioza, you're a coward. Yeah. And we'll put you on blast. Good. Good. It is settled then. Um, Michael, if we had five stars, would we like that? Would we appreciate it? Would we, would we want it? it? It would be a it would mean a lot to me. If we could yeah. get five stars and me too. on and iTunes. Me too. Um, we appreciate that. We appreciate you guys. Netspot at gmail.com. We're going to, we keep talking about how we're going to give that some real love. And I really want to, Mike. I really, really want to. Anyways, thanks for having me. Thanks.